from mysteries debunked to why the Titanic was sunk today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back for another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. This is episode 26. I'm very happy about that. I like I like just chugging along doing this thing. It's 100 degrees, and it's like 11 o'clock at night. And that is just a crime against nature. And it shouldn't be this hot, considering I am in the Pacific Northwest, in the creepy, tiny little town of Hood River, which I've talked about before. The edge of darkness, the last bastion of civilization on the edge of a black void that is nature it's very weird i didn't grow up in a very nature oriented place i kind of grew up in more 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 in i don't want to say industrialized but more developed areas most of the areas i grew up with and had it was developed to a point and then there was like undeveloped land that you knew eventually they were going to put houses there because it was prime real estate but at the time it just, it, all of our neighborhoods just kind of ended into just like weed fields, weed fields. But, you know, it, it, generally where I grew up, it was relatively flat areas. So it's weird for me. One of the things that creeps me out about Hood River is you're surrounded, well, basically on one whole side by mountains. And so the other day I was walking to the store and it was probably like 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. So the sun, you know, it's the sun's setting way later, but the sun had set just enough that there was only some light available from over the mountain range. So what I'm seeing is just these huge shadowed mounds in the distance and a little bit like a little line of light above them. I'm walking and I always have these thoughts. I walk everywhere and I love walking, but I always have these thoughts. What was this place like before men, before mankind came here? What was it like before the native native population came over what was it like before the settlers came over there was no lights so nothing is just darkness and those people would look and go what's on the other side of those mountains it's all a mystery to them we all have the maps nowadays we know where everything's at everything's well lit we're surrounded by civilization even if you're in an area that is not as developed you still know what's on the other side of those mountains. You can always Google it. But there was a time when that wasn't the case, and that always fascinates me. I imagine what the landscape would look like with no buildings, no lights, or anything like that. It's always terrifying to me because, again, I like being around. I like being in a civilized area. And when we talk about civilized areas, it's, it's, it's often easy to forget how much of the world isn't, isn't developed. There's just, like, just trees or deserts or ice wastelands. Even then, we can have a satellite view of what is in those areas. But when you're on the ground and you're walking through them, you may be, even this time, you may be the first person creating a path through that forest. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff to me. Now, I said in the beginning about Mysteries Debunked, there was two mysteries that I was looking at. There, I have a little folder that I kind of like, as I'm going through the internet, I'm kind of like throwing stuff in this folder, checking it out, seeing what's on there. There's two mysteries on there that I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Uh, no, that was debunked. And then I found another one. And I'm like, oh, whoa, this is right up my, uh, that's fake. 
And then we'll get to the Titanic one, which is actually one of the conspiracy theories that I don't necessarily believe in, but I do talk to people about. I always kind of, it's one of those, like, baby's first conspiracy theories. You know, it's not one of the huge popular ones like 9-11 or Newtown and all that stuff. I kind of still like to do the obscure ones, but it's kind of one of those conspiracy theories I throw out to people who are just kind of starting to show some interest in conspiracy theories. But first off, so sticking with the wilderness thing, I found out about this place, and it's called the Valley of the Headless Men. So I was like, that's dope. Bookmark. I'll read that later. Because I never read stuff at the the right time. But I do read it before I do this show. I read it at least once, kind of. So, Mystery of the Headless... The Headless... the, The Valley of the Headless Men is in Canada. One good thing to come out of Canada. Well, I guess Brendan Fraser and Zac Efron came out of Canada. Did Zac Efron come out of Canada? I don't remember. But anyways, if he didn't, then that's another strike against Canada. So the Valley of the Headless Men, men, yeah, is a valley, obviously, in the Nahini Park Reserve. And the way that it got its name was that several bodies have been found there with their heads chopped off, obviously. And there's always been suspicions of who or what has been doing this. So to start it off, and I'll just do a brief overview because I kind of gave a spoiler alert by saying that this story was debunked. These people actually did die. So first off, there was two brothers who went there to find gold. They lo- they located a local tribe in the area who had these huge gold nuggets, and they're like, oh, there must be gold here. So they went um, in t- deeper into the valley, and they were looking for the gold. Eventually, they went missing, and then the next time they were found, their heads were chopped off. So a few other prospectors had heard the legend of these guys going and, and they the stories of these guys finding these massive amounts of gold. They'd go in there and their heads would be chopped off. Their bodies were just found with no heads. And this went on for probably about 30 years and they've never, no one else has ever found the gold mine. There was a tribe of native people up there that it was their land. They just up and disappeared at one point. So the tribe was called the Naha tribe and they existed there and they would come out of the mountains to raid lowland settlements and then they just mysteriously vanished according to all accounts. And then there were other tribes in the area never were like that area is bad mojo don't go in there it's really bad but white settlers kept going in the area looking for gold and kept getting their heads chopped off so i'm reading a couple different sources on this and i'm going from reddit to this source or that source to the other thing and everyone's like yeah these people are getting their heads chopped off i'm like on a sasquatch blog and they're like people are getting their heads removed and all these bodies are being found with no heads and as i'm doing my research and and it's not a huge conspiracy But it's a conspiracy where I'm going from multiple blog to multiple blog. And at first I'm like, okay, this is a really creepy story. This is definitely something I want to talk about. But again, it's always more interesting, I think, when reality intrudes into the fantasy. So on one of these blogs, one of these articles I came across, they said, the two brothers who originally had went in to find the gold pieces, they were found tied to a tree and their heads were removed. Now this was the fourth or fifth article I had found and it was the first time it acknowledged that the people weren't just found laying in the brush. They were tied to a tree. So now it's not this super mysterious ghost or paranormal force or gateway opening or Sasquatch. Bigfoot doesn't tie you to a tree. So they found these two dudes tied to a tree with their head chopped off. And that's tragic. I'm not diminishing that. Makes it a little more reasonable. Then, 
The other people who are also looking for the gold, they just find them with their heads chopped off. This is going on for quite a while. And what happens is eventually the natives that are still in the outskirts of the area, they start getting there. This is in December of uh, 1931. So this is about 30 years after the original brothers got their heads chopped off after they were found tied to the tree. And so what happened was the natives in the area, they were putting their traps out for game. And they would go to check them every once in a while, and the tracks, the traps would be broken and hung from trees. Now, the natives aren't like, oh, this must be the work of Bigfoot. They're like, ugh, this must be that crazy guy who lives up in the hills, and his name was the Mad, the Mad Trapper of Rat River is what he was called. Albert Johnson was his real name. But anyway, so the natives weren't blaming this on any mystical force, because obviously Bigfoot's not going to be like, <laughs> I have all this extra rope left over. So I'm going to tie their traps up on trees. They go to the Mounties and they say, hey, man, someone's messing with our traps and we think it's this guy. So the Mounties come out to this shack and the dude's like, I'm not letting you in. The Mounties are like, dude, let us in. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not letting you in. So then they leave to get a search warrant, which is weird because I didn't think those existed back then. And I really didn't think they existed in Canada. So the Mounties show up with some extra people and, and the search warrant. And they're like banging on the door and there's a shootout and the Mountie, one of the Mounties gets shot. And they go and they recover and eventually they grab the guy. They are able to get into the cabin and take down the mad trapper of Rat River. And when they catch him, they find in his possession gold teeth removed from the heads or mouths of local prospectors. The Mounties at that point said, oh, he's the guy who's been chopping everyone's head off. Case closed. Why did it take me four articles to find that? That's the thing. And these articles tend to reference each other. You read this thing on Reddit about the Matt Trapper and it links me to this article. But it took me maybe 20 minutes to find this article. And it was on a website called Strange Outdoors. It wasn't like this big debunking website, which sometimes I'll get led to those as well. But guys, come on and see. That's the th- I think that's one of the problems with ghost stories and paranormal stories, ghost stories and conspiracy stories and stuff like that, is you don't do your research. I'm I'm a hobbyist at this stuff. I'm making no money doing this. I'm doing this for my fun, and just to meet new friends, to meet people like you, and to talk to you about stuff. I'm not doing this for money. And I found this article. Now you could say, well, you know. You can't say case closed, you don't have all the evidence. True. But this is the most likely scenario. That it wasn't Sasquatch, that it wasn't some sort of demonic portal, it wasn't Ball Barreth before he took out XXX Tentacion, he was ripping the heads off of prospectors. This was most likely a fellow prospector who was stealing their gold and their gold teeth. And he, even there were sightings of the two brothers. They People saw them with a third person. None of that stuff was available in any of the articles I read. Guys, if you're doing this, you got to do a little bit of research, even if it ruins the story, because to me, it doesn't ruin the story. It makes it more interesting. It makes it more plausible, because you can go, aha, mystery solved. Now let's look at the mysteries that we don't have an answer to. And it makes you more credible, too. I would love to just tell ghost stories all day long, but if I don't believe in them... If I know that stuff is fake and I'm selling it to you, you know, that's, to me, that's not fun. That's trickery. Now, some of these websites didn't do their due diligence. And some of these websites that I read may have seen this article and said, no, I like the ghost, I like the ghost story better. Yeah, you know, it gives it a bad name. You got to be able to call like you see. And that's one thing I liked about that show, Ghost Hunters. They would walk into a house, they'd do an investigation and be like, your pipes are leaking. 
everything is because your pipes are leaking. And I don't know if they continue to do that, but in the first couple seasons, every so often they'd come in our house and they're like, yeah, that ghost, that's a car driving by. And it, let, it lent the show more credibility. There was another thing. Now, I've talked about this before. I'm a big fan of the idea of humanity's been around longer than we think. Kind of hidden history type of things. I like those stories. I, I don't believe aliens built the pyramids. It may have been done with techniques that we don't have anymore. Or that we've forgotten. The pyramids may be older than we think they are. The Sphinx. The Sphinx may be older than we think it is. I've heard a lot of theories like that. I love that stuff. But again, you don't try to trick me. It makes me, So there's this thing called the Wedge of Aiud. A-I-U-D. And what it is, is there was an archaeological dig in 1974 in Romania in the town of Aiud. Is that how I pronounce it? I don't remember. Anyways, it's this, uh, there's two mastodon tusks. They're doing this archaeological dig, and they find a mastodon tusk, and they're like, oh, score, dude, I am getting laid tonight from all those cute archaeological chicks named Dusty. They're all named Dusty. And then they're digging, and they're like, what? They find another mastodon tusk, and they're like, dude, this, this is going to be dope. They brush something aside. It's a chunk of aluminum. So basically, it looks like an aluminum device. It's a big, thick thing. Now, the problem is, is aluminum, if I'm saying that right, then it wasn't really become a thing, wasn't synthesized or made or whatever the, the particular term is, forged, until way later in life. I think it was like the 1800s. So we're 1825. Metallic aluminum did not exist. I'm reading that off of this website. I didn't just know that. I'm not that smart, obviously. They're like, here we go. What is this doing next to two mastodon tusks? This is, this is proof that people have been here before. And they were saying that based on where it was at next to the mastodon tusks and things like that, that the wedge itself could be 11,000 years old minimum. Possibly millions of years old. Stories ranged everything from ancient humans, hidden history, stuff like that, to time travel, to spacecrafts. And I'm like, score, this is a great story. It's kind of hitting all of the stuff that I like. And I googled it, and the first article that popped up was on Rational Wiki, which is a skeptic website, which again, I, that's not a website that I normally have bookmarked. It seems it's kind of smarmy to me. That every time I've read it, I've kind of been like, they kind of act like they know everything because I don't think there's always an easy answer for everything. But anyways, so I pulled this up and they're like, oh, here's an answer. It's the tooth of a tractor. Or what's that thing that digs? It's an excavation tool. It's the one with the, it's the one with the, oh, here it is. It's an a, a, a excavator bucket. So it's like, you know, the big, I'm making the hand with the claw. Like you can actually see what I'm doing, but it's like the big claw. They go, ah, just whatever. You'll see the picture, but it digs into the earth. Now, I see that, and it's like, this is a, a tooth from an excavator bucket. And the part of me that wants to believe in the story, I'm like, what? No way. It can't be that easy. And they're like, here's, here's a picture of the tooth. Here's the picture of what they dug up. Here's an illustration showing how that tooth attaches to this excavator bucket. They're like, it fell off. It fell off at some point. And it, which would make sense, because, you know, if, if it's, it's a dig... 
It's not like they just were walking across the street and they fell over two mastodon bones. Someone had to dig deep enough to realize there was something there, and then the archaeologists are called in. And the material that is made, that those uh, excavator bucket teeth are made of, oxidizes very quickly, so it looks old very quickly. Now here's the thing, if it didn't look exactly like a tooth, I would say, well, you know, you're stretching it. It looks exactly like the tooth. Don't lie to me, man. It's an interesting story. I just was looking at an article today saying that the new theory is is that humanity did not evolve in one location and spread across the planet. That we evolved in separate locations on the planet. Boom! That's fascinating. That's a big article that's going around. I'll go ahead and put that in the links as well. So you can still have mysteries. You can still have this great stuff. Don't lie to me, man. Don't tell me that this tooth is from some sort of time-traveling you know, mech, where he's like, had to punch a mastodon in the face to survive, and then he's like, warp out, and then he ends up back in the year 2400. This isn't a mystery, bro, it took me five minutes to Google that. I can understand it was, it probably was a mystery back in the 1970s when they figured that out, but this story should not be on any website, any mysterious website. Now, I know you're thinking, Jason, you're getting riled up, it's just because it's 100 degrees, and it's super hot. Maybe. You might also be thinking, Jason, are you still taking that Sudafed? Is that amping you up? Maybe. I am actually doing that. But so here's the thing. I want to end this on a conspiracy theory that really hasn't been disproven. And it's funny because as I was reading about this, it's a conspiracy theory I followed for a long time. When I was reading the article about this, they go, this theory's been disproven. Check the link here. I clicked on the link. It didn't disprove it. I think this one, it might be clocked up more to coincidence. But, as Garrick once said, I believe in coincidences. Coincidences happen every day. But I don't trust coincidences. Oh man, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Best television show. Best television show ever made. I've watched it all the way through two times, and I think two and a half times. I love that show. But anyways, so we all know about the Titanic. Whether you knew about the historical event or the movie, you, you know about it. It's the great big boat that got hit by an iceberg, or hit an iceberg, whatever, whichever one is more grammatically correct. But anyways, so, hit an iceberg, it sank, a bunch of people died, and at the ending, the girl threw the heart of the ocean. Was it the heart of the ocean? Yeah, heart of the ocean, into the ocean, and then she becomes a ghost. That itself is not a huge conspiracy theory. What is a huge conspiracy theory is why it sank. Now, of course, people have said the boat was supposed to be unsinkable and it hit an iceberg and it cut it open. And I'm not really arguing with the technical sides of that. There are a few Titanic um, conspiracy theories and they're all kind of fascinating. The one that I wanted to start talking about was why it sank or who sank it is a better course of action. I'm not necessarily saying this is a true conspiracy, but again, it's, it's just kind of a fascinating story. So J.P. Morgan was the owner of the White Star Line, the boat line that the Titanic sailed under. Was it still called sail if it didn't have any sails? Anyways, so so what happened was at the time the Titanic, so it was like 1912, 19, 1910, 1912, there's this debate over whether or not to start a federal reserve. So the United States would have a federal reserve bank. It's still controversial to this day. It's not a... So the federal reserve is actually not part of the federal government. It was... A, it was it existed because of an act of Congress, but it's not a, it, it's a, it's a private corporation, basically. 
And for the most part, it can control, it says interest rates. It has, quote unquote, like control over our financial rules. Setting the interest rate's a big one because it kind of depends, kind of determines how people are loaning money and borrowing money and stuff like that. But it's not a government organization. The, the You know, we can appoint, you know, Ben Bernanke or Alan Greenspan and stuff like that, but it's more set up like a private corporation. So there are people against the establishment of a Federal Reserve. They didn't want they didn't want a federal head controlling money policy. And this is, you know, like I said, we're going back to like 1910, 1912, around this time period. Well, and J.P. Morgan was on this side of, yes, we need to set up a Federal Reserve. And there was three people who were against setting. Well, there's multiple people against setting up the Federal Reserve. These were some of the most powerful. It was Benjamin Guggenheim, who you might recognize his name from Guggenheim uh, fast food restaurants. There was Issa Strauss who is the inheritor of the Levi Strauss. I'm making that up. Uh, Benjamin Guggenheim, um, Issa Strauss, and Jacob Astor. And I know Astor and Guggenheim. I don't know Strauss. I was making the Levi joke up. But anyways, both of them, according to this graphic that I'm looking at, were worth a total of $11 billion. And that's probably in today money. Maybe back then. But anyways, they were adamantly opposed to the establishment of Federal Reserve. And all three of those men were on the Titanic, and all three of those men died the night it sank. So that's a fact. Those three men died during the sinking of the Titanic, and J.P. Morgan, owner of the White Star Line, was for the Federal Reserve, and they were against that. So the conspiracy is is that the Titanic was sunk to eliminate powerful opposition to the establishment of the Federal Reserve. Creepy, if true. Possible, maybe. So that's a conspiracy theory that's been floating around for a long time. And it's one of those things that sometimes terrible events happen and they take on a life of their own. You know, we've seen stuff where, you know, the 9-11 was taken down because there was a bunch of gold in the basement of one of the buildings and someone wanted to steal it or a bunch of money went missing from the federal government and they wanted to hide that up so they destroyed all that stuff. That's fairly unlikely. But I could see that if you were, I, I'm a powerful man and I have three people who are equally as powerful, maybe even more powerful, trying to stop me and my side from creating this Federal Reserve, which will benefit me endlessly. It'll benefit you endlessly, too. So why don't you just get on our side? And they're like, no, 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 JP. We're not following your plans, and let's all hop on this boat and take a trip, and he sinks it. Now, the couple... I, I like that conspiracy theory. I think it's an interesting one. Some of the problems with it, just to be fair. One, if they were in such at such war with JP Morgan, why would they ride his boat? You know, why would they go on his boat? That's a question I have. Two, bullets are cheaper than sinking a boat. And you could say, well, Jason, if the whole boat sinks, you can get them all three at once. But then it leads to my third question. What if they survived? You know, what if they hopped on the life rafts right away? What if there were enough life rafts? What if the rescue ship showed up early enough? So on and so forth. So it's an interesting conspiracy theory. It's possible... Mm, I enjoy it. I enjoy that conspiracy theory, and um, and it does fit the idea of what a good conspiracy theory is. And I guess when I keep saying a good conspiracy theory is, I basically am saying a conspiracy theory you can't really disprove. It involves time plus distance, because it happened in the middle of the ocean a long time ago. It is a it involved a group we don't trust, which is billionaires and corporations, things like that, and a little bit of the government. And it has very few people involved in it. You would just need, well, actually, now that I think about it, it would basically, someone on the boat would have had to steer it into the iceberg. 
Ah, never mind. That conspiracy theory is pretty ridiculous, too. Now that I've actually put a little bit of thought into it, you would have had to have, you would have had to know there was an iceberg in that area, crash into it on purpose, and do enough damage for it to sink. And I know there's also a conspiracy theory that it didn't even hit an iceberg, but at a certain point, you kind of got to go. Yeah, and pterodactyls could have shown up and eaten everybody. Like, at a certain point, you have to accept a certain amount of facts in any given story. So there we go. There's tonight's episode. I, I guess I actually ended up disproving a conspiracy theory that I've talked about. I mean, unless they really paid him off or paid off the, the uh, captain's family, why would you steer your boat into a into an iceberg for money to die in the cold? That, yeah, that doesn't really work. Unless... Nah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, that is it for tonight's episode. I started off with two debunked stories and pretty much ended with three. I really do like the Titanic story. If you have a answer for why someone would purposely drive a boat into an iceberg or go on a suicide mission, because again, somebody has to make the boat crash and blow up, let me know. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com. Shoot me an email there. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Jason O. Carpenter. Our website is DeadRabbit.com. Again, everyone, thanks for listening. I see you guys downloading. I got a fan in England. Cheerio, mate. I don't know if you say mate over there, but I see you downloading my episodes. That makes me feel great. I hope you're having a good time listening to the show. I hope everyone's having a good time listening to the show. I hope you're having as good as a time as I am doing it we're going to be looking at doing some stuff in the future with live streams and things like that but for right now i'm just happy to get a podcast out every day so that's like my news bulletin noise as i was editing the episode and i'm looking back over my sources there was something that i had read initially i promise and i'd forgotten to say it originally and considering how much i was lambasting people for not fully doing their research i guess i'm the last one to talk Nahini Valley, the Valley of the Headless Men. Myth busted. Or was it? In 1962, 30 years after the event of the prospector having a shootout with the Mounties and being arrested with the gold teeth taken from prospectors' mouths, a lone pilot is flying his plane. Smoke. Billows out of the plane. I don't know if smoke billowed out of the plane. But anyways, so the plane crashes into the valley. He survives. He's a good enough pilot. You can walk away from anything. He's downed, though. He can't contact anyone, but he does have food. He has water. He has shelter. He's like, I'm just going to stay here until I get rescued. That's the smart play, right? When you're a little kid, you're taught if you get lost... Stay where you're at, and your parents will find you. Don't do that if you're actually a kidnap victim. You have to get away, but if you're in a mall and no one's kidnapped you yet, just stay there. Parents will find you. So he stays there, and he's bored because he's in the middle of nowhere. Just like anyone who goes in the middle of nowhere is bored, camping might be the most boring possible... I'm going to... Forget that. Forget that. He's bored. So what do you do when you're bored? Keep a diary. You got nothing else to do. You have no television. So he begins writing about what's going on day to day. Just kind of keep himself keep himself going. And we see in his diary that planes are flying overhead. And he's trying to signal them. Hey, I'm down here. I'm down here. They just keep flying. They don't see him. 
he keeps taking his diary. You know, gets dark, snuggles up with a fuselage. I don't know. I don't know what pilots like. And then during the day, he's like throwing rocks at squirrels or whatever. Taking his diary. Waiting to get rescued. Now, he's actually only six miles from his destination of where he's supposed to go. But he didn't know which direction. Uh, You know, maybe he's a little shook up from the plane crash. So, and again, best thing to do is to just wait there. Six months later, just on an accident, his plane, the wreckage of his plane, is discovered. They find his camp. They find his diary, which has 50 days of entries in it. The pilot was never found. Is a mystery back on the menu, boys? We don't know. We'll keep this one open on Dead Rabbit Radio. (laughs) 